All right, hello. Let's get this thing going. Uh, we got uh, June 7th, Tuesday night, basically right dab in the middle of the uh, NBA draft lottery and the actual NBA draft. And so the last time I put a pot out, it was before the lottery, so we didn't know what pick we were going to get. And uh, now we know. We know we've got the sixth pick uh, is, is our best one. We also have the 31st pick, and then we have the last pick of the draft, which is the 58th pick. Um, so, yeah, I definitely want to talk about the pick. And now that we, you know, we're a couple weeks away from the draft, um, I've, been, I've been looking at players, um, definitely... I will start off by saying, like, I, I don't think I've watched any of these players, really. So, you know, uh, my opinions are based a lot on, uh, like, what I watched uh, as far as, like, highlights or interviews, or what other people are saying. Like, I use, like, I use mock drafts to basically gauge, like, what players... Are, are like around the Pacers and it's like, all right, those are the guys I decided to kind of look into a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's just, a, it's, it's like, it's exciting time right now. Cause it feels like the, it feels like the team can go in a hundred different directions and um, it's super exciting. I'm super excited for the sixth pick. Um, and, you know, I wonder going into the, into the draft um, what, else might happen will the Pacers maybe trade a player or two players and get pick up another first round pick or second round pick like uh there's just a lot like will the Pacers trade up in the draft will they move back in the draft you know there's all these different things that that might happen or, or that could happen and you know it's hard to uh well you obviously can't really predict what might happen but so it's like you just kind of trust the front office but I'm just looking at it like there's a few there's a few different scenarios that that could happen, and so I wanted to before I talked about like the actual players I want the Pacers to draft, I wanted to talk about like okay what are things that might happen that could shake up uh, the team around the draft time. So like it, right at this point, um, I you know I think I've been saying it since Brogdon. Uh, started playing with Tyrese Halliburton that I was, I really questioned uh, Brogdon and, you know, his role on the team and his fit on the team. And, um, you know, he's in all the trade rumors now. Like if you, if you Google Malcolm Brogdon, it's like, it seems like you can find something on basically any team in the NBA and, and what a trade package for Malcolm Brogdon might look like. And I personally have, I've kind of felt a little like, okay, this is better than I expected. Like I was, I'm willing to cut ways with Brogdon for like a second round pick. Uh, you know, I, and you know, I hope you would hope it's going to be better. And I definitely think it's gonna be more than like a second. But my point is just like, I don't want he, to me, he's just better off the team than like even getting something of, of value back. But it sounds like we, we would, because I was just looking you know, so one, he's been linked to a whole bunch of teams. So maybe that means like, okay, the Pacers are certainly um, have let it be known that Brogdon's up for grabs. 
And, um, you know, there's just a lot of noise because I could see why teams would want Brogdon because he makes a lot of sense for a lot of teams. Um, and just, therefore, it makes his value kind of interesting where, uh, like, there's a there was a, um, uh, what was it? I think it was a Brogdon trade to the Knicks for uh, Evan Fournier, Emmanuel Quickly, and then the number 11th pick in this year's draft. And for Bro- for Brogdon, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. And, and I would basically look at it like, okay, we got to swing at the number 11 pick. And then we've got a, a young player in Quickly who maybe we roll the dice on. Maybe we move him as well because uh, we're a little heavy on that, like kind of scoring guard role, especially, you know, what depending on how the draft might end up going. But moving Brogdon obviously opens up a little bit of minutes in the guard guard position. Um, but the, the, the main thing about that trade is just like, all right, so Brogdon might be worth uh, the number 11 pick or, you know, he's certainly not worth like a top uh, 10 pick or something. I, I wouldn't think, but um, point being, I would love to see Brogdon go. And if we could get a, a draft pick, like a lottery pick for him, man, that would be a huge win in my opinion. Uh, y- you know, give the Pacers a, a chance to take a swing on another guy, um, you know, really high up in the draft. Um, that would be awesome. We've already got the six pick. If we could add another top top 10, top 13 pick, that would be a huge, 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 huge um, boost, I feel like, for this organization. Um, and then especially if you can get it while shedding uh, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, Brogdon, Brogdon I was wrong about Brogdon. And um, I, it turns out if I buy a jersey for a, play, for a player, it's like, it's the curse because I got three Pacers jerseys and they all look terrible hanging in my closet. It's like, I got Victor Oladipo. Um, I bought Goga Bataze's jersey because I don't know. I was just so excited about Goga when he came to the team. I was just like, I, I just thought he was going to be an all-star. Um, and then I got, I bought Malcolm Brogdon's jersey and Malcolm Brogdon is, you know, I thought, oh man, the Pacers need to get him. I wanted him in free agency and the Pacers ended up getting him. So it was amazing. Felt like I had a connection with him uh, because of that call. And, uh, you know, it's just been, it's just been bust ever since him. And it's not all on Brogdon by any means, because in some ways he's, you know, I mean, of the wins that we had, I mean, he was a big contributor to those. He was obviously one of the better players. You can make a case that he might even have been the best player or, you know, he's, he's the guy that he was our engine in a way because he was our point guard and he was the guy that made most of the decisions for the team. And, uh, but you know, at the same time, it's like good riddance, go on, get, because it's like, it wasn't working. And I don't know. I was just like having Halliburton on the team now and seeing just the, just as a fan, it's just like, Oh my God, you kind of got, it's like Brogdon lulled us, lulled us to sleep. Um, the games, the way he plays, it's just exhausting. Uh, and I know I'm throwing a lot of shade here, but um, I was wrong. So it's like if I buy the jersey, it's like, man, that turns to shit pretty quick. Although I guess there's still a chance with Goga. Um, there's still a chance with Goga. Hopefully, you know, I do I do hope that the Pacers keep Goga around for another year. Um, because it's like, especially if next year we don't care, if like if we know we're not going to really be competing... Um, and we want to move, let's say, Miles Turner, 
And uh, it turns out that Goga moves up the depth rotation just by the fact that like we moved we moved somebody and didn't bring in a big guy to replace Turner. Like I'd be okay with that because he'd be like the backup point guard or sorry, not backup point guard, backup uh, center or you know just one of the backup bigs for a year. And then you could just let him play it out, get him, get make sure that you make sure he doesn't take a a good jump because he's got he shows flashes. He really does. Goga shows flashes. He doesn't put it all together though, and he's got big, big head scratching plays often where he seems lost still. Um, and I think this was this was his third season, so he going into his fourth season. Um, but he's still Goga's. You know, I'm here. I'm uh, pumping up Goga, but. Uh, I do want to see Goga stick around, uh, but that's just me though. Um, but back to like the draft and, and the bigger stuff, the bigger picture stuff for the for the Pacers. Let's say we can move Brogdon for a first round pick. Uh, sounds like uh, Miles Turner is kind of in that uh, uh, same role. There, I saw a trade for uh, with Dallas, and it involved Josh Green, who I do like that guy. I think he's a little undersized for his position, but he's super athletic, plays super hard. I I think he, Josh Green could be a player uh, to take a chance on, um, just to see him see a young player, give him a different different role. He's got a lot of upside as far as just like being a defender, being a menace, uh, and he's athletic and he's he's young. He's probably I'm going to guess he's 22, 23. Uh, in this trade would also involve Dwight Powell, who's a you know decent big man. Um, whatever doesn't move the needle that much. Um, pick twenty six this year, so a late first round pick, and twenty 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 a twenty twenty five first round pick, so a future first round pick, and then the twenty six pick in this year's draft. Um, and then you got to say goodbye to Turner. It's like, mm, maybe I I don't know. Uh, that one's not that appealing. I'd like to see. I'd like, I mean, Turner's kind of in, he's kind of due for a big season, but definitely like he may not be on the team long-term. And so I like Josh Green, but you know, just the fact that you could get a first round pick and kind of a promising young player for Turner, uh, just something that might happen. Um, Are there any other roster moves that happened at the draft? Like does Buddy Heald stay on the team? Does TJ McConnell stay on the team? Um, That's kind of what, uh, I'm interested in knowing after the draft, like what our team and and free agency, I suppose, but especially the draft will will have so much more clarity as to what this team's going to look like. Um, so yeah, just all that to just say that there's a bunch of different directions that the Pacers could go, and it's exciting because it seems like they've got some ammunition here to make some moves, and then I think you can kind of scroll down to you know, the start of next season and with Tyrese Halliburton and assuming we still have uh, Isaiah Jackson and and Chris Duarte, you know, we've got three young guys that um, we, we got a lot of excitement for going into next season to see how they improve and what they can do in bigger roles. And then obviously we're going to have whatever we get from the draft. So It's going to be exciting to start the season regardless, and we're going to know so much more uh, on June 23rd. But now going to the actual draft itself, and I'm just going to focus on the sixth pick because that's where the top guys are, and that's where you think if we're going to get 
if we're going to get our All-NBA player, it's going to be at this position. Uh, if we're going to get the running mate to, for Tyrese, uh, for those two guys to be, you know, um, Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison, you know, just like two guys that, that become the face of the franchise, two young stars, and they both want to be in Indiana. They both want to win. Winning's number one. Um, I, you know, it's pretty exciting to think about the chance that the Pacers have. And so I'm just kind of assuming that the Pacers stay with the sixth pick. And in some ways, I really like the pick because the player that I really feel I would want the most is is probably there's a chance will be available at that six pick. But um, just like real quick, this is the way I'm breaking down the draft. Like I'm assuming that Jabari Smith, Paolo Bancaro, and Chet Holmgren will be one through three. And then essentially you've got four, five, and six. So then there's like three guys or two more guys before the Pacers are picked. And it could be Keegan Murray, uh, Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp, um, Benedict Matherin, that kind of range. AJ Griffin, uh, Johnny Davis. Now you're kind of dipping in there, maybe, and Dyson Daniels. So there's like kind of a cluster of guys there. Uh, but it seems like there's like a three at the top, and then there's probably a tier that involves. Uh, Keegan Murray, Jaden Ivey. I feel like they're probably, they might be favorited to go four and five at this point. And that would leave the Pacers uh, with, you know, a good good player still with high upside, like Shaden Sharp or Benedict Matherin or, or, or somebody. But but basically, th- those are kind of the, those are kind of the, the guys. Those are the, the top 10 potential picks. And... Um, the big question is who do we draft at six and how does this player fit with Halliburton and the team culture, uh, moving forward? Um, so at the beginning of the episode, I, or I just remember earlier saying that, you know, I, I don't think I've really watched any of these guys play in the games, And that's true, uh, for the most part, because I barely watched any college basketball. And, um, so this is, this is just kind of the intel that, or these are just the feelings that I'm going off of based on a, a limited uh, kind of looking into these these players. But uh, to me, I think that I kind of, um, I'm, I'm out on Keegan Murray. Um, he's, he's someone who's been, he's like been mocked as high as like four. And so he's, he's kind of anywhere from like four to six, probably. A lot of mocks have him going to the Pacers at six. Um, you know, I know Keegan Murray definitely, he like averaged over 23 points a game at Iowa and was like a really, really good college player. Um, I just, to me, when I look at Keegan Murray though, I just feel like, man, I don't know if he has the upside that I would hope that the Pacers would go after with this pick. Um, I don't like Keegan Murray seems, and, and he could be really good. And I would probably talk myself into I certainly would. It doesn't matter who the Pacers end up picking. I'll, I'll go all in, man. Um, but, you know, Keegan Murray at this point in the game, 
I would prefer that the Pacers stay away from him just because I, I don't know. He, to me, he just seems a little like, is he going to challenge Tyrese for like, is this my team or your team? Or I don't think so. I think he would fall in line very quickly. He's a little older. To me, he seems like, does his game translate to the NBA that well? Because it seems like he, you know, his athleticism, which didn't look like super flashy by any means against college players. What's that going to look like against NBA players? Um, you know, so anyways, my preference, Keegan Murray, no. Um, Shaden Sharp, he's a guy that, you know, no one knows anything about because he didn't play in college. Um, does He looks good on highlight, like he looks good in what's available to watch. He seems like he has a really high upside. Uh, I think he came in at like six foot four, you know, uh, definitely like just a dynamite athlete and potentially just lights out score. Uh, but you, there's some questions, you know, like why didn't he end up playing at Kentucky or, you know, um, I don't know, just kind of like you didn't get to see him play. Um, he just seems very calculated just from the outside. And it makes you wonder if it's because he, maybe he really, maybe he'll, he won't be able to succeed in the NBA. Maybe he actually like going up against elite defenders, you know, doesn't, doesn't look nearly as smooth and maybe he doesn't have any defense to his game or, you know, whatever. But to me, Shaden Sharp is someone I definitely would talk myself into if we drafted. But for, at this point, I would avoid him if I were the Pacers. I've seen mock drafts with AJ Griffin, who's uh, another guy on paper that, like, if you're just looking, he's like 6'6, six, six, uh, maybe like 210, just kind of built guy, really good shooter, played at Duke. You know, it's like on paper, it seems good. Um, but I know for him, it's kind of, he's had some injuries. And uh, so for that reason, you know, if I'm the Pacers right now, I'm turning away from that. Um, and then I guess the other player that might actually be in the running here would be Jaden Ivey. And I'm torn on Jaden Ivey. Uh, if he's available to pick at six, I'm certainly good with that. Uh, from what I've seen in kind of like mock drafts and such, it seems as though like he's going to end up being like a, he probably will be like the fourth pick, if not the fourth and the fifth. Um, a lot of people seem to think that Ivy is going to be really good in the NBA. And, um, to me, he could definitely be, and I would, I would welcome him on the Pacers, but like, I don't know if I really want to trade up to get him. Uh, I think it's because I'm so high on the, this guy, Benedict Matherin, and that's who, you know, that's who I think I want. That's who I want the Pacers to draft at six is Benedict Matherin. Um, and I guess, you know, the reason, the main reason why is because to me, from what, what I've watched of Benedict Matherin, he seems like a killer. Um, he seems like a, an alpha, um, try to average 30 points per game. Uh, highlight dunks, shooting threes, six foot six. Um, you know, it, Benedict Matherin in, in, a, 
in an interview with at the draft combine said, you know, where, where do you, so the question was like, where do you see yourself in five years? And he said, I'm the best player in the NBA, the best player in the NBA. <laughs> uh, he models his game off of Anthony Edwards. Uh, he mentioned like he sees a lot of similarities in his game and Anthony Edwards uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves is, 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 is insane uh, offensively. And you, and you actually do, you kind of see similar, some, a lot of similarities between the two games. Um, yeah, with Matherin, I just feel like he comes onto the Pacers team and um, he, he, he and, and Halliburton, it's like, if Halliburton is the quarterback of this team, he's got a number one receiver in Benedict Matherin. And I think some of the, like, with some of the weaknesses that I, I that I, I've kind of read up on Matherin is, you know, his ability to create his own shot. Bit like off the dribble, he does a lot of his scoring uh, using off-ball movements. So, um, you know, getting backdoor cuts, finishing at the rim, or just like coming out on three and letting it fly. Um, but he doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't uh, break guys down off the dribble and finish too often. And I think that can be credited to maybe handle that's not that great, you know, his dribbling abilities and stuff. But once again, I haven't watched him play like full games and stuff, but just the upside though, it's like you watch these highlights and it feels like he's going to jump into the backboard when he dunks. Like he just, he goes, um, just, he seems so powerful uh, attacking the rim and dunks it hard. And, he plays with like a, a swagger and a confidence. And, and to me, I'm thinking about the Pacers next season. And, you know, this is a new team, a new era, a new identity. We, Tyrese is nice, but we need some, we need some, uh, some like real toughness. And that's no shade at throwing at Tyrese. Cause I think Tyrese is tough too. It's just like, it's, it's different. Like Draymond Green is tough. And so is, you know, Steph Curry. They're both tough, and they both can uh, impact winning at the highest levels. I think Tyrese can too, but I, I think that, and I think that you know, potentially a guy like Benedict Matherin, with his mentality, because he's not gonna, he's not going to be the best player in the NBA, most likely. But he said that you know he said you know he wants to he's he's going to be the best. He's got ultra confidence. Um, so one. Um, well, actually, before I say that, I think so. He ended up playing two seasons with Arizona, and after his freshman season, he was projected to be a first-round draft pick. Um, but after his, his freshman season, he averaged eleven points. I didn't look up any other stats, but just to get the, he averaged eleven points as a freshman at Arizona, and was projected to be a lot, uh, not a lottery pick, but a first-round pick, and. You know, after talking to scouts and stuff, he decided to go back to Arizona and uh, improve on these things and and um, increase his draft stock before coming into the NBA. And so he basically bet on himself because he was guaranteed, you know, guaranteed millions. I mean, even first round picks. I, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're in the millions. Um, you know, but the tw- if if he ended up getting picked 22nd. 
that's let's just say the salary there is two million. If and this year he's projected to go, you know, if he goes six to the Pacers, he's probably getting you know four or five million. So he doubles trip, you know, it, he'd be bet on himself because he, you know, he believed in himself, and it paid off because he went he he became way better his sophomore season at Arizona. He they were a number one seed in the tournament, and he was the best player on the team. Um. Yeah, like I, he, he had 11 points a game as a freshman. He turned that up to 17 as a sophomore. Um, and yeah, he just was tough. And he led that team. Um, and I just, I just like it. I like, his, I, like, I like his demeanor on the court. He has a swagger about him. Um, and I would love that for this new Pacers era. Um, you know, have a player that plays with edge and that plays with fire and that wants to be the best and will go after the best. Um, and I feel like the pairing with, with Halliburton could be perfect with those personalities. And I, I guess I don't know. I'm basing a lot of stuff on, I'm making up a lot of stuff about Benedict Matherin's personality. I don't know. I'm, I, it, you know, but I'm just, you know, I'm just going down the rabbit hole here of, you know, what they might be like. And, you know, Halliburton seems like somebody who is going to get along with anybody, any type of player, um, as long as they're committed to, you know, winning basketball games. Halliburton, to me, seems like someone who's, like, just kind of cool with everybody. Even he doesn't have to take things personal or uh, I don't know. I guess it's just like I don't. I don't know. I could see Halliburton being a great co-star, um, you know. And I'm not trying to. I think Halliburton could could. I mean, I'm going to get into some Halliburton love later on here, but um, he he certainly could be the best player on the team, and and we could be. I would think you know if we're going for championship contender. There's a I, there's a world where Tyrese Halliburton has a ceiling that that reaches that of a player who could take a team to be a contender and be the best player. He's going to need a lot of help, and and so if the Pacers go after Benedict Matherin and Benedict Matherin hits his ceiling as an NBA player, um, you know, and his ceiling, it's like, what is it? You know, he's six six. He jumps out of the gym. He's an elite three point shooter. Um, he hits ridiculous threes. He hits threes with guys in his face. He jumps up so high when he shoots. It's just beautiful. He, he just plays the game with an intensity and just like a freaking just gusto that just, it, it's just awesome. It, it's awesome. I, I, I want that on the Pacers team. And I want to see Halliburton kicking it up to Matherin on the wing and Matherin making a play at the rim, you know, shooting threes with Halliburton, just those two playing off one off of each other, the alley-oops that they would get connected on. And you also throw in Isaiah Jackson with those. It's like, oh man, this team could be so much fun. I'm saying if they, if they draft Matherin, best case scenario, he brings, uh, he brings a level of swagger and confidence to this team. Um, and let's just say he gets better too than what he is. I mean, right off the bat, I think he's going to come and he's going to, he's going to try to score 20 a night. Um, that's what we would want as the Pacers. I, I mean, best case scenario, Matherin wins r- rookie of the year because he's averaging like 19, uh, five and three, uh, you know, and playing 35 minutes a night. 
shooting 36% from three, you know, making three a night. Um, just, just really being a scoring savant. Uh, and, and, and then also uh, just how he fits with the rest of the guys and stuff. Uh, I, just, I just love it. I think that, I think that Matherin, he could develop as a, as a defender. He's got the uh, athleticism. That's what you can't teach. You can teach everything else. You know, if, if he really wants to be the best player in the NBA and he takes that seriously, you have to say like, hey, he's on a trajectory for sure because he, you know, he went from 11 points to 17 and being the alpha and, and now he's going into the, to the league and it's like, can he, can, he keep, can he keep getting better? Can he keep getting better? And if so, can he be an all-star one day? We'll have to see. Um, but I think that you could make a case you know, that he could be. And, and I would also go as high as saying in, in the perfect world where the Pacers become a contender, like a guy like Benedict Matherin blossoms into a player who is like equal to a Tyrese Halliburton who has blossomed into an all NBA player. And you're looking at like a, a, a dynamic combo in Indiana um, best backcourt in the league <laughs> Just, you know in this world where Matherin turns into an all-nba player you know it seems like a pretty good draft pick if you ask me you know so um that's who i'd go with i'd be buying a benedict Matherin Matherin jersey and like i said earlier then uh that would not be good luck f- for anyone involved so we'll see i like Matherin. another guy who i'd be super happy with um, although I did, I am starting to cool the jets just a little bit because I'm thinking maybe I'm underestimating a, a big quality of, of a player, but Dyson Daniels is a guy from Australia, number one strength. He's a lockdown wing defender. He comes in at six, seven and a half. He just turned 19 he played for uh, G League Ignite, so you know he played professional basketball last year. Um, he's basically he's an athletic freak in in a lot of regards. He had the fastest shuttle time, and he's come. You know, um, he he's a player that does a lot of good stuff on the court, and one thing that he hasn't shown that he can do consistently is like really shoot the ball though. And I heard a good argument, like, you know, maybe you don't want to take Dyson Daniels at six because when would you ever want to, you know, get a guy who's like that, uh, struggles that much shooting. And I get that point. Um, I do. And this guy was also from Australia. Um, it was the, Pacerus podcast, I think, is what it's called. I just stumbled into it, uh, but it was uh, it was it was uh, sobering, I suppose, to to kind of hear that because I had talked myself way up on Dyson Daniels. Um, I had listened to a podcast that he was on. Um, it was like a, so he's from Australia. It was a, a like an Australian host hosted podcast. It's about 40 minutes long, and he's just kind of talking uh, about everything. And um, I listened to a good chunk of that, and I was really impressed with just kind of the 
composure that he seemed to have and um, how much he seemed to preach being a team-oriented player. It's kind of like the way that he, you know, Aussies play is what uh, is what Dyson was saying. And you know, to me, he seemed like a tough, a really tough player, a confident player, someone who uh, sees himself in a very high light. Uh, you know, and, and and is not afraid to go after it. Uh, he's compared himself to, you know, versions of Luka Doncic. So similarly to Matherin, you know, these guys that are, are that, that believe that they, you know, that they are going to be great. That's a lot of what, you know, I think separates people um, is those that believe that, that they are that. And um, so that's a skill that, that, you know, is important to have. So I think I think Dyson Daniels has that, you know, he's only 19. Um, you know, I was watching highlights from his play with the, the G League team and he does some nice stuff like he he averaged two steals a game. So that kind of label as being a defensive, um, you know, defensive juggernaut, you know, it seems like that's that's going to translate very well. And with his with his age and. He had grown. He had grown two inches. He had said in the last year, so he might still have some. He might. He might end up being six eight, six nine by the time it's all said and done, because um, you know the guy's obviously still growing, and he's an amazing defender. He's not afraid to go after guys. He could be. He is your. Um, you know, he's your guy guarding Jason Tatum. He's, you know, or, or Jalen Brown and. His offensive game, in a weird way, Tyrese can kind of hide it, I think, if you're building the team. Um, so Dyson, you know, the knock on him is just kind of raw shooting. Uh, so the idea of him just shooting threes is, is kind of, I think, what's got people concerned. But I heard s- stories that his, uh, his combine shooting performance was, was very impressive. And... He ended up turning. I mean, he had a stretch in the G League there towards the end that he was really shooting the ball a lot better. So maybe things are clicking for him. And uh, he does seem like the type of player that he's so well rounded that you know he's probably going to con- he's going to just continue to get better. I would think in every area of the game as he continues to develop. Um, I was gonna. Oh, I put down. You know, I, I mentioned he does a little bit of everything for the G League. He averaged twelve points, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals. Um, he, he's a, he, to me, he's a really interesting prospect. I haven't really talked much about his offensive game outside of not being able to shoot, but he's a, he's a playmaker, you know, he's a guy that, uh, has a good knack for, uh, kind of getting to the hoop and, and finding open, open teammates. He has a little bit of flair to him, which is nice. Um, he's got a good floater game where he, you know, breaks his guy off the dribble before you can get that floater off if the big man doesn't come up quick enough if the big man does come up you know he drops it off to the big the offensive big or you know if the defensive collapse he can kick it out to the to uh, the shooters it's kind of a lot like what Tyrese Halliburton likes to do and so you know when you're looking at the sixth pick it's like okay how does it fit how does it fit with Tyrese and Obviously, Dyson, let's, if we just say like he's going to end up being like an average three-point shooter, he brings a lot of other stuff to the table. Um, he, I don't know, you know, like 
it's with with him and Halliburton, it, you kind of have a two-headed snake where both players can play on ball and off ball, uh, and you got two guys that are looking to attack and, and run. Uh, because I feel like Dyson Daniels would have a little bit, he would have the edge over Matherin when it comes to, um, I don't know, maybe just like getting others involved, playmaking, passing. Matherin to me seems a little bit more um, geared towards just scoring the ball himself. Um, where Daniels is more of a uh, Draymond Green almost type role where it's like he's, he's he might be looking to get 8, 9, 10 assists in a game and, and he's probably going to have 12, 14, 16 points. You know, but, you know, it's like, okay, that's not the elite killer that Matherin could be. In, in the in my world where Matherin hits his ceiling, Dyson Daniels' ceiling looks a lot different. Um, but I don't know. I could get excited for it. That's for sure. Um, I think that Dyson Daniels, you know, he what would his ceiling be? It, you know, if he develops a a good jump shot, and if the defense translates, um, I don't know. To me, the guy seems like someone who understands um I don't know he understands basketball he understands like what he can do to affect winning I think he I think winning is important to him and I think he would be a good culture fit as well it'd just be slightly different but I don't like once again I don't know what Mathen's like I'm basing a lot of my uh conceptions of what Matherin is like just off of the fact that he said he he wants to be the best player in the NBA so I'm just built up this character um and and Dyson Daniels I don't have that version of him I have a version of him that's more like almost more like Tyrese in the sense like I feel like Dyson's a little bit more probably laid back and and doesn't need to say much but um I think he has a fire probably on the inside of him that just, you know, burns that he's going, he's going to be the, he wants to be the best player on the team. He wants to be the best player in the world. Um, but pair that with the willingness to sacrifice for the team if for winning. And that's a good player. That's a good player. So I don't know. Could he be an all-star? Could he be an all-NBA team, team member, you know, seven years down the road? You know, you'd have, you could say potentially they got the size, they've got the the athleticism. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times that's half the battle is 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 having a, a base to 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 build off of, um, because you can't teach you know, Matherin's you know speed and uh, agility in the open floor and and Dyson Daniels being you know six seven. Both these guys are just big. You pair them next to Halliburton. This is uh, this is a, the big one of the biggest points I think that or one of the reasons I like both these guys is the pairing with Halliburton. All of a sudden, you you go to a jumbo backcourt, and when you get to the playoffs, it definitely seems like you want you don't want to have weak links on the defensive end, even if they're you know a level offensive players, because if you're if you're uh, you don't want to have to hide too many guys out there. So having players who are big and athletic uh, go a long way when it comes to switching and 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 that type of thing. And with Tyrese Halliburton, I think he could become a, a better defender. 
but with his frame, you know, he's he's never going to quite be like an enforcer out there. And I think that's when you if you could pair him with the Dyson Daniels or even a Mather in the best case scenario, you got another guard out there who can who can body guys up. Um, and I like that pairing better than like a Jaden Ivy. I feel like because with Jaden Ivy, you know, he's coming in at six foot four. It's like there's quite. I mean, there's certainly a question of like I don't know. It, between Halliburton and Ivy, are they going to be able to stop anybody? Um, now, offensively, sounds awesome. It's kind of like Ivy's probably a better version of Matherin. Um, but, you know, he's a couple inches shorter. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like Matherin might have a higher ceiling than, than Ivy. Um, but that's just what my gut says. So... I don't know. I just like that pairing. I love the pairing of Matherin or Daniels. And if I had to choose um, who the Pacers take with six, I would go, right now I would go with Matherin. Um, but I would love, 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 love to see the Pacers get both of those guys. <laughs> if they could, If they could get like a top you know, move into like get the ninth pick or something as well. And, and Dyson is still sitting there. Um, that would be, that would be sick. Um, but with the sixth pick, I really do hope it's Matherin or Daniels at this point. Um, like I said, I, I would, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get excited for whoever they end up picking. Um, but that's just, that's just what's super exciting about coming up. Um, all right. I want to talk about next next up. So I, I you know that kind of sets the draft. We don't know how many picks the Pacers are going to get, um, but we know we we're going to be in that sixth pick range, or we are going to have the sixth pick, and maybe we walk away with Matherin. Um, I want to I wanted to give a little Tyrese Halliburton love because he's been just all over the place. Halliburton is um, on Colin, uh, Colin Cowherd show, you know, talking pace or talking uh, Warriors, Celtics finals. Uh, he's on JJ Reddick's podcast. He's on. I looked him up on YouTube, and he, uh, he's on this thing called like Next Twenty Five. It's like five athletes talking about like the future of the NBA and stuff like that, and which is kind of interesting. They talked about virtual reality at. Uh, you know, at, at when you're watching the NBA games. Um, and the young guys like Halliburton, they're like, yeah, like uh, that's more revenue, right, for the league. And they're all for it. Um, that's what's interesting. Like, I feel like my instinct when it comes to virtual reality and watching NBA games is to say, uh, like, no, uh, because it's like, I don't want to be sitting there like, on the couch with, uh, you know, my wife and my two daughters and maybe my brother's over watching the game and we're all just like strapped into VR. But then it's like, well, there, you know, but then, but uh, on the other hand, it's like, if I was just home alone and I wanted to watch a game, then I'm all for it. Um, and you know, they were talking about, and, and this it's, you know, it's obviously just the very beginning, but like, if it does, if that, that is happening and there's like virtual reality and you want to watch the game, you can like watch it with other people in the uh, in the space that you're at 
and you're occupying in virtual reality. It's like, what if you, at what point does it become unrecognizable from reality? When it's like, oh yeah, that, I don't know. But re- anyways, it's, it's like, but the younger, you know, they seem to be like all about it. And that's kind of like what we do as humans, I think, is just, you know, we just move on to the next thing. Um, like social media, <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa, look what we can do. We're going to do it all the time and not know, um, you know, necessarily like, oh, is this good for us? Is this bad for us? What ways is it good? What ways is it bad? You know, we just jump into it and, you know, we're doing good. So I feel like we can handle it. Um, but anyways, uh, what was I talking about? Jeez, man. I think I was on YouTube. Um, yeah, because I was going to give out some Tyrese Halliburton love. There's an awesome um, documentary type web series, four episodes called The Come Up. It's basically Tyrese Halliburton early days, early as like, you know, high school and college. Um, up and in, in, into the second, his second season, which ended up being the season that, you know, this last year where he gets traded to the Pacers. But this uh, documentary doesn't get into the Pacers. So it's like they're ready for a new episode, one where he's been traded. But it was, it was four parts and it's like 10 minutes each part. And it was just like, I just ran through all of them um, without even anticipating watching it because it was just so interesting uh, to see you know, to see Tyrese as a high schooler and to see like, to see him playing with, there's this guy like he's, he like kicks it to this player and he looks like, you know, this guy's probably uh, six foot, uh, you know, on the heavier side, this fat, like kind of fat white guy in, you know, like with the beard, probably played offensive lineman on the football team, you know, knocking down like a mid-range jumper. And like Tyrese is like doing this crazy shit, awesome pass. And it's like, I don't know why I'm throwing shade at the guy and Tyrese's team looked fantastic. Um, but it was just fun to watch, to see him as a high schooler, um, to see him go to college. Uh, there was an awesome, you know, there's an inspirational part that I've noticed where the, you know, there's a lot of interviewing going on with his, with Tyrese's mom and dad. And like his dad has a, a segment where he's like, yeah, you know, like I took, when I dropped Tyrese off, at Iowa State, I told him to go after, you know, the best guy there, you know, because like we brought you here uh, to play, you know, not to sit on the bench, you know, so it's like instilling that confidence, like, hey, go after it, go after that guy, be the guy. Um, And Tyrese, you know, obviously he did that, ended up being a lottery pick, pick number 12, projected to be like a number five pick and fell, um, which uh, in that documentary, it was talking about how, you know, at one day there'll be a there'll be a whole thirty for thirty documentary about Tyrese Halliburton dropping in the draft. Well, that story becomes way more intriguing to write if Tyrese Halliburton becomes, you know, an amazing basketball player, which he's already really good. He's got a ton of respect around the league. Um, I feel like we have ourselves a bona fide stud right now as as the Pacers, and so. Um, yeah, so, something else, like watching that little mini series and uh, just from like listening to some podcasts and, 
uh, people shedding more light on Tyrese, like he seems like a leader that people want to follow. Like everybody seems to love Tyrese uh, within the organizations. You really see that when you're watching this documentary and he's, as he's interacting with like the uh, player development coach was at Sacramento. You can tell this guy like loved Tyrese just just the way he was with him. And I don't know, there's just been there's a lot of stories. There's a story about Tyrese in Iowa State. I, he got injured and basically missed the rest the rest of his a season. And he ended up like just basically coaching uh, the team or, you know, like he was like acting as a coach. Um, so he just he's just involved and he already with the Pacers. Um, I've, I've heard that he's organizing practices with like a bunch of guys and, and they're meeting regularly practicing and he's he's kind of, you know, running the show there. He's setting up workouts, you know, and it's May or June at um, I think the Pacers are serious about going into new directions, you know, starting off new. Um, so we got to get rid of Brogdon and we got to let Tyrese flourish. It sounds like that's happening uh, as we speak. You know, Tyrese, he's 22 years old. Next season's going to be his third season. Um, just, just a refresher of like what he's already done. And, you know, he's just now going into his third season. Um, and he's got an interesting, you know, rookie class because they came in. It's their, basically, he's like a COVID rookie. Uh, it goes into that in the miniseries, too. You see him getting drafted, and he's like in, his, he's ba- in like the basement of his house or something. You know, they didn't meet together. Everyone was uh, remote. Um, but he, last year, with when, you know, 26 games with the Pacers, he played 36 minutes, so he's playing three quarters. Um, he shot 50% from the field. He shot 41.5% from three, 84.9% from the free throw line. So, th- I mean, those are, incre- those are incredible shooting splits. Um, that equaled out to be 17.5 points, 9.5 assists, 3.5 rebounds, and 1.8 steals a game. And in his time, that he, that's what he put up as a pacer. Uh, the last 26 games of the season. So, you know, he's already putting up great numbers. The team wasn't winning anything. So that's that obviously has to change. But um, I'm buying up all the Tyrese Halliburton stock that's out there. I think this guy's going to be a star. Um, I take him over. I take him over, uh, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I'm not really prepared for this. But I was thinking of Darius Garland from Cleveland. You know, who's a good player, but, you know, he's small. And I don't know. I feel like what I would want to be, what I want to have, you know, from the Pacers is a a big team, a versatile team, you know, moving towards that positionless basketball in a sense. Uh, You know, and a guy like Garland, for example, he's like six foot one. It's like, you know, he can score, but he's getting picked on, on the defensive end. I know that doesn't mean everything, but um, I would just rather have a guy like Halburn and, you know, six foot five, see over guys like Garland, uh, loves, to, loves to pass the ball, loves to get his teammates involved. I want to see how does he gel with that number six pick, you know? That's going to be a big catalyst as to uh Brogdon's or sorry not Brogdon but Halliburton's career with the Pacers is is what happens this with this draft and 
Um, what does this roster look like moving forward? Uh, what do they, what do they need of what do they need of Halliburton? Um, and then what what is he able to bring? So uh, I'm ready to see that, and I'm just ready for this next era. You know, uh, the old one was was very very dead. It was done, and we still have Brogdon on the team. He needs to go. And if I'm just listening to my gut, it's like it's the same thing with Miles. Like it's I mean, I don't know unless unless everyone unless every unless he's you know unless he wants in big time and 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 everyone else wants him in big time and obviously I don't know from a distance I don't know but he feels a lot like the old team and we um, are going to be doing a 180 from that I saw today that the Pacers ended up finishing. 28th in the league last year um, in defensive rating. So that's a pretty important statistic when you're ranking like, you know, who, what the best defensive or defenses were. So Pacers were second to last. Um, but we'll see, you know, we'll just have to see what happens. Uh, but I'm certainly ready for this next era. Um. I think before I wrap it up, I wanted to also talk about some of the rumors that are out there. There's a couple big ones that I just wanted to kind of dip my toe into. Um, the first one is I've heard rumors of DeAndre Ayton uh, coming to the Pacers. Um, I've heard potentially, you know, that involves us moving Miles Turner and Chris Duarte. Um, I'm, I'm just going to leave that up to the front office and their understanding of the salary cap and what it means to offer the max contract to a player. If that's what it takes to get Aiton. Um, I obviously would hope that they wouldn't jeopardize jeopardize the team's ability to sign Halliburton to the max. And then also this number six pick to a max when the time has come, you know, we have to be ready to sign both of those guys to max contracts. You know, if, if the path unfolds that way. So if, if, if bringing in Aiton means that we can't do that, then I'm totally against it. Um, the other thing that I'm not willing to do is give up the number six pick to get Aiton. Even though Aiton, you know, there's a good chance that he's going to be a more impactful player than, than the number six pick. I just feel like the Pacers should swing, you know, they're at the bat they they can hit a home run. So, uh, let's do that rather than going for the, the double that maybe turns into a triple uh, that's Aiton. Um, but let's just say they could, if they could just move Turner and Duarte for, for Deandre Aiton, and then you can still pay Aiton, Halliburton, and let's just call it Benedict Matherin. Um, that's a pretty interesting three. If you know, if you if you just project those players out three years or so, um, you got age wise, you got Tyrese Halliburton, he'd be twenty five, um, Dyson or Matherin, depending on who the Pacers would pick there. Let's just call it Matherin. He's at uh, probably 23, 24 years old. Aiton will be twenty six. You know, those guys are just getting into their prime. You could do stuff on the edges there, but you might have a pretty good solid three there. Um. But we'll see. Uh, so I, I, I guess there is part of me that gets excited about DeAndre Ayton. 
uh, being with the Pacers and being with Halliburton. But there's part of me that it just feels a little too easy. Like, um, I don't know what I mean by that, actually. Just, it's like, how, 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 value, how, how important to your team's success do you want your center to be? It's like, well, definitely a role there. And Aiton's really good. Um, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I, I would be excited for it if it happened. But I also uh, would be devastated if they gave up, you know, too much to get to make it happen. And um, somehow made it harder for us to, to sign what could be the sixth pick, you know, or Halliburton or something down the, down the line. Um, so to kind of, Okay, back out of the rumors and just uh, taking a step back, looking ahead to the 23rd, to the draft. Um, if all the Pacers end up doing is trading Malcolm Brogdon and just drafting number six, um, I'm happy as well. I really want to see Brogdon get traded. Um, and if they want to wait on everything else, like I'm good with it. Um I would hope to see a little bit more action, especially if it could be Miles. Um, but you got to move Brogdon. And if you start the season with Miles, I'm still excited next season because if you say, all right, what do we got going into the, to next year's to season with, with doing very minimal at the draft? Uh, you got Halliburton and you got Benedict Matherin. Then you got Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, TJ McConnell. Uh, they've got cap room, so there's probably going to end up being like a free agent or so that goes in there. And there's your eight guys. And I mean, you might make the playoffs with that team. Could, could you win games next year with that team? I mean, Buddy can score. Tyrese, is, Tyrese makes a jump. You know, he could be he's setting all these guys up. Um, I don't know. I'd be excited to watch that team play. I think that uh, if I'm looking at that team, I like, I like all the players um, outside of maybe Miles Turner at this point. But... I'd be excited to see Miles. Um, I think that's that's about all for that. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm excited to see what we end up doing here and what the team looks like. Um, certainly excited to see what Halliburton looks like next year. And just coming up with uh, the draft, it, it's going to be fun. So... That's all I got. Hope you uh, hope you all enjoyed the pod and appreciate you checking it out. Talk to you later.